Hey, good morning, South Winds. I'm so glad that you could join us this morning. I want to personally thank you for joining us for this splendid holiday. What holiday, you ask? Well, it's NSPPD. What's that? National Student Pastor Preaching Day. And I'm so glad that you could join us for this momentous occasion in the life of our church. If you would have asked me 361 days ago how 2020 would have gone, I would have explained something completely different from our current reality. I would explain and describe the best year possible. Why? Because we've been accustomed to believe a new year, a new me. Am I right? And I don't think 2020 has gone anywhere near our expectations for a new year or decade. And I'm guessing with the complications we've all experienced this year, some of you are walking through extreme tiredness, frustration, and even anxiety of what's next. Some of you have felt like God is a thousand miles away. Somewhere along the way, you've lost your passion. 2020 started in full color with a beautiful 80-inch TV, and somewhere along the way, someone took it down and replaced it with a grayscale TV. Somewhere along the way, you've lost your passion and been drained, and I understand that struggle. I remember sitting back on December 31st, 2019, and setting out goals for this year. Anyone else do that? I set out some awesome goals with extreme high expectations for my life and my surroundings. And over the last several weeks, I've reflected and tried to figure out if I let this year go to waste or if I pivoted in a way for God to use me. And if I'm being honest, honest with you, this has been a difficult question for me to wrestle with. And I've been convicted of a handful of things. I remember looking back and creating this really cool looking graphic that I set on my computer and my phone screensaver so that I would constantly see it. And the goals would help remind me and push me. I was bold enough to put, post them on my social media accounts and have people hold me accountable. Little did I know I would fail most of them. Little did I know I would make excuses not to accomplish my goals based on the current circumstances and the restrictions of being stuck at home and pulled away from loved ones. The issue with my goals that I set out, set out on December 31st wasn't that I had to deal with the pandemic. The issue with my goals that I set out on December 31st is that they were centered around what I wanted for 2020. And the moment I realized it, it felt like a sucker punch to the stomach. I had great remorse and great frustration for the plans that I set out. What if 2020 wasn't a year about dreaming of what we want, but instead a year to realize and reflect on what God has already blessed us with? What if 2020 wasn't a year of dreaming of what we want, but instead a year to re realize and reflect on what God has already blessed us with? As I've studied God's word this year, this, these next few verses have helped bring peace to such a peaceless season. And to be honest, these verses have resonated with me since I became a Christian. I'll give you a little bit of my story. Like some of you, I didn't grow up in a traditional coming to Christ family. I, didn't, I don't have a traditional coming to Christ story. I didn't grow up in a Christian household, never went to student ministry, never went to VBS, never went to the traditional Sunday school classes. I remember starting to ask these really tough questions about God and my mom at a really early age and really never getting the answers I was looking for. I always said to myself, there has to be more. There has to be more. And she'd tell me we were Christians, but honestly, I didn't know what that meant. I had zero idea, no exposure. And I did what any other curious teenager would do. I jumped on Google and started searching, what does it mean to be a Christian? One of the first Christian blogs that popped up was a little legalistic. And I remember thinking, well, that's no fun. 
Follow all the things that the Bible says. Don't cuss. Don't have premarital sex. Don't listen to, only listen to Christian music. Don't watch Christ, or, or watch Christian movies. And the list went on and on and on and on. And I figured with the curiosity that I had, I might as well start somewhere and I might as well try them. I started watching these Christian movies. They were pretty cheesy, to be honest. And they all had the same story, like Hallmark movies, right? If you don't figure it out within the first five minutes, you might as well restart it. And I remember listening to Christian music and it was, it was pretty hard because I didn't listen to music that didn't talk about trucks, country fields, sex, or alcohol. And around the same time, I was getting ready to go to college. And just like the plans that I set out for 2020, I had plans. I was going to go to college. I was going to make some mad money. I was going to become a billionaire by the age of 25, living in upscale New York City, uh, up loft and work on Wall Street. And over the course of my senior year in high school, I applied to eight different universities, a handful of them being Christian, and each door kept getting shut. I received acceptance letters, but the numbers just never worked out. And I ended up at UNLV, my last possible choice. And at this point, I still hadn't become a Christian. I was living this pathway of trying to figure out what it meant. My parents had divorced when I was young. My mom's side never went to church. My dad's side only went to church on Christmas and Easter. And we weren't the let's get up on Sunday morning and go to church kind of family. My biggest exposure to God was probably my grandma. When I was young, I'd spend the night with them. And right before we'd go to bed, we'd say this prayer. But I had no idea what it meant. I would just say it. And I think a lot of us do that. I honestly didn't have a bad upbringing. Probably my biggest struggle was facing insecurities, self-doubt, and caused me to isolate. Wasn't a star athlete, wasn't the best student, never won a first, trophy, first place trophy or medal, not that that matters. I was just an average kid. And the first time I ever walked into a church was the Sunday after I turned 18. I went because of a simple invitation from a friend, probably because I had bugged them with a million questions before that. I kept coming back to this big idea that God wants me in church, and I don't know why God wants me there. I didn't understand why. I felt this tug in my life for many, many years. And I finally went, and this big revival happened. Just kidding. I felt that I left church that Sunday feeling super weird. What did I just walk into? Is that all it is? I kept coming back for a couple weeks. I tried it out. I met the student pastor, hung out with, a, with him a couple times, and, and I still remember the day like it was yesterday. I remember hanging out at my grandma's house and getting a phone call around 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. It was the student pastor asking if I wanted to go to camp. And for some crazy reason, I considered it for a little bit. I was working a full-time job. It was my first real big boy job, and I couldn't just leave. I was getting ready to go to college and make money, and so that would help, right? And anyways, I ended up getting the week off of work. I jumped on a bus with 50 complete strangers for the next 14 hours. Can you believe that? 14 hours. Sometimes I have to weed through complaints about parents saying Del Oso's too far. 14 hours. But what God would begin to do on this trip would change my entire perspective on life, on who I was, on what I stood for, and what I would do with my life and who he was to me. Leading up to this camp experience, I had no preparation on what to expect. I had no idea that my life would be different the next time I walked in the house. At camp, there was this song that played. And if I would have to put a, put a moment on when I came to Christ, it would be during this song. Words like, every chain is undone by the power of the Son, adopted, healed, and lifted, forgiven, found, and rescued. God, you have overcome. It is finished. It is done. And my heart is finally free. That song changed my life. 
If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to the New Testament book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. If you're watching from the comfort of your own home, I encourage you to open it up on your phone or open up your Bible. It sits a little differently when you read it on your own device or in your own Bible. One of the things I tell our students all the time is to make their Bible their own. Highlight, circle, underline. It's awesome when you can come back to it later on and God reminds you of what you learned years ago. Follow along with me, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever I gain I had, I count as a loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And for the sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as trash, in order that I may, may gain Christ. In verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And as we look at these verses and, and, and we break them apart, I, we have to remember the context in which we're reading. Paul's writing a letter to Philippi to introduce the ministry that Jesus had that occurred during his second ministry journey. And Paul was writing this while imprisoned. And he sent this letter to the Philippians because they, they, they weren't aware of what was happening and were being persecuted. Paul wanted to support and strengthen the Philippians to know the truth. And when I read these verses, I'm reminded of the life that Paul lived. I'm reminded of his actions. I'm reminded of what he did to people like you and I. I'm reminded of how he, who, who he was and who he turned out to be. Paul starts out chapter 3 with an introduction. Verse 1, shares, he shares with us a better understanding of what we're walking through. He says, whatever happened, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. I do it to safeguard your faith. I love that. He says, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of saying these things. When I hear that, I hear Paul saying, rejoice in the Lord, even though 2020 sucked. Rejoice in the Lord, even though you're struggling paycheck to paycheck. Rejoice in the Lord, even through sickness. Rejoice in the Lord, even though you're struggling daily. Rejoicing in the Lord isn't conditional on my circumstances, but dependent upon my attitude of worship towards the Lord. Are you rejoicing the Lord today? What does it look like? Are you, are you rejoicing in the Lord this morning? If not, which is okay, until you figure out why, why aren't you? These are important questions that we need to ask ourselves. We need to evaluate. Just like when I figured out my plans for 2020 wouldn't come into flourishing, the reality hit me like a ton of bricks. Was I still worshiping and rejoicing in the Lord even though they weren't happening? Paul wasn't trying to nag us for the sake of nagging us, but to prepare us of what was coming. And he goes straight into it in verse two. He jumps into it. Look at it. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship the Spirit of God in glory in Jesus Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Paul insulted them. Pretty, pretty good. The term dog symbolized a wild, vicious, homeless animal that roamed the streets and attacked passerbys. Jesus even used it as a reference for those who opposed God's truth. And Jews used it similarly to refer to the Gentiles. Paul turned it around and called these teachers the term that they called everybody else. He was giving believers a warning by being influenced by Jewish Christians who argued that circumcision was necessary for salvation. And I like how the New Living Translation states it in verse 3. He says, we rely on Jesus Christ, on what he's done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. 
And to be honest, that verse is a home run. It's a feel-good verse. I think we can all stand behind it and support it. You're sitting right there, probably nodding your head. Yeah, I can support that. I can stand behind that. I can rely on Christ. I can put all my chips into him. I, he's done that for me. No, I have no confidence in human effort, right? We can stand behind that, especially in a polarizing society right now. It's hard to, it's hard to find confidence in human effort at times. And this is where it gets interesting. Paul says, Though I myself have a reason and confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has more confidence in the flesh, I have more. And this is what he's saying. He's getting ready to show you that he's the top dog in town. He says, I see you're 20. I'm going to hit for 21. He sees your 4.0 GPA and shows you his 4.2 high honors diploma. He sees your parenting skills and becomes the coach to have a breakthrough with your kid. Paul was that kind of dude. And this is what he says in verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as for the law of Pharisee, as to the zeal, a persecutor of the church, and as to the righteousness of the, under the law, blameless. If you didn't pick up on what Paul was saying, he's saying if anyone has a reason to stand tall on, on what they have accomplished, it's me. I have a reason to be proud. And he lists off all these things on what he did, who he was, and what he had accomplished. He got circumcised on the eighth day. In their eyes, that assured his salvation. He was from the people of Israel, from the tribe of Benjamin, which was a high honor because of the lineage from Israel's first king. He was a Hebrew. He was a Pharisee. This was a great honor. He was a persecutor of the church. But wait, he was, a, uh, he was a Pharisee, which means he was kind of religious. Why did he persecute people? It was because Paul was a devout Jewish leader. And through Christianity, he thought it was heretical and blasphemous. And because for them, Jesus did not meet the expectations of what a Messiah would be, look like, or do. He was righteous under the law, and he was blameless. Never got caught stealing a pack of gum or cheating on a geometry test. He was extremely, absolutely blameless in his eyes. At first glance, it looks like Paul is boasting about his achievements, but it's quite the opposite, to be honest. Because he's showing us that no matter how impressive your achievements are, it cannot earn you a spot in heaven. It does not earn you salvation or eternal life with God. Paul had an impressive credentials, upbringing, nationality, family background, inheritance, activity, and morality. If Paul was born today in America, it would look something like this. From a wealthy family with Olympic gold medal winning parents, was the high school president of every club and led in community service hours, who had a full ride scholarship to Harvard and became a Navy SEAL and was honorably discharged with highest merits and awards. Someone highly respected for their family traits. However, in his conversion of faith, in Acts 9, him coming to faith had nothing to do with the actions that he had done and everything to, everything to do with God's immeasurable grace. Friends, our actions and achievements here on earth will not earn us a spot in heaven. God's good and perfect grace is what covers us. And that's why what he states in verse 7 and 8 is so important. Look at it with me again, verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I count as a loss for the sake of Christ. 
Paul's impressive credentials, upbringing, nationality, family background, inheritance, activity, and morality. He's essentially saying, I walked away from all of it so that I could have Christ. He would rather have Christ than living the same life that he had. And the next part is where I strive to hear from our students every single day in our ministry. Verse 8, indeed, indeed, I count everything as a loss for Christ because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. You see, by looking at the biblical Greek of verse 7, Paul is saying he counted. It's the perfect tense. Perfect tense is being used to describe a complete action which produced a result which is still in effect currently. So Paul counted everything as a loss for the sake of Christ, and it means he counted it as a loss and still continues to count it as a loss. He's not going to revert to it because it was a gain, but because he's already counted it as a loss. It doesn't matter to him anymore. And in verse 8, he affirms it by saying, Indeed, I count everything as a loss. When I see these verses, I think about when we go to summer camp for, with our student ministries, the memories and the excitement. When a student comes to Christ and faith at camp, I love it. But I always challenge them for a second conversation when the camp high has dissolved. When helping lead a student or in fact anyone to Christ, it's important to let them come to the conclusion on their own. To conclude that everything is counted as a loss. but And to affirm it after the emotions have worn away. And because all too often there's a strong fire and a desire that we once had and after the emotional drive has been removed. We're not sure. And again, verse 8, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish as trash in order that I may gain Christ. So in verse 7, Paul's talking about his gains that he had. He's not talking about his muscles, but he's referring to his full list of credentials and successes. He's saying all of those things that I once loved and appreciated, I don't need them anymore. I count them as a lost. Remember at the end of the Titanic when Rose drops that big diamond necklace back into the ocean because that's where it belonged? Just envision you placing your past achievements and successes. And imagine being a hundred years old and standing on the back of a boat and just dropping them and letting them go because they don't matter eternally. They didn't matter to Paul and they shouldn't matter to us because our faith comes first. And he's saying, I'd rather have Christ over every single one of those things. Verse eight, indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And after Paul considered everything that he had accomplished in his life, he decides to write it off as garbage. We should value our relationship with Christ more than anything else in this world. Knowing Christ should be our ultimate goal. And I'm not talking about putting knowing Jesus as the first thing on your goal sheet for 2021 because we all know those things fall through by week three of January. I'm talking about setting that as a life goal of knowing Christ Jesus as our Lord. And you know, you, you know a lot about Christ, but it depends on how you know him, right? We all know a lot of factual information about him, but through the years, have you actually experienced his goodness? It's the same way about knowing someone else right? I know a lot about Tom Brady. 
He played for the Patriots for 19 seasons. He's got six Super Bowl rings. He's currently playing with the Bucks right now. And if I showed up to his house on Christmas Eve for dinner, he'd have no idea who I, who I was. Why? Because I don't actually know him. I know him factually, but I don't have a true personal relationship with Tom Brady. But that's the same thing with, with our relationship with Christ. How do we know Christ? But that's the thing. How do we get to know Christ? There's four steps that I've kind of outlined that are easy for us to look through and study. The first one being study the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. See how Christ lived and responded to people. Read about how he interacts with others. Examine how he communicated with his followers, his disciples. Examine his teachings. So study the life of Jesus in the Gospels. The second one being study the New Testament references to Jesus. Cross-reference them in the Gospels. See how they correlate with each other. If you have one of those Bibles with the hints and the links in different sections, follow the rabbit hole. You'll find yourself in Acts in one moment, then in John, and somewhere in the Old Testament with a reference to something that happened thousands of years ago. It's crazy how the Bible does that. Three, as you worship, let the Holy Spirit remind you of Jesus' words. I love listening to God's music. It's one of my favorite things now. It brings me so much peace. And to be honest, I think that God called me to be a music pastor, but didn't bless me with the talents. Just kidding. But I love listening to music. I, I bump the songs and I love jamming out while I'm driving. But it brings me so much peace because it brings God's word with it. Where my prayer life, when I don't know what else to pray, I pray God's word. And when I read it out loud, God reveals things to me. So study the life of Jesus in the Gospels. Study the New Testament references to Jesus. As you worship, let the Holy Spirit remind you of Jesus' words. And fourth, take up the mission that has been given to us. It's all about reaching people. And here at Southwinds, our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And in my area of ministry, it's geared around students and their families. You can see a big sign right there. We recently found out there's over 22,000 middle school and high school students within 10 miles of our church. 22,000 students. Those students are our mission of reaching for Christ. And when Paul, when Paul said, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, he's saying none of those things matter to me anymore because I have put my faith and my trust in knowing Christ through a personal, intimate relationship. And how do we do that? By studying God's word in the Gospels. Study the New Testament references to Jesus. And as we worship, let the Holy Spirit remind us Remind us of his words and to take up the mission that's been given to us. To do these things, however, may mean we make major changes in our lives, in our thinking, and in our lifestyle. Are you willing to change your values in order to know Christ better? Are you willing to fix or rearrange your crowded schedule in order to set a time a few minutes each day for prayer and in Bible study? What do you have in your life right now that's standing in the way of experiencing God's fellowship with other believers and his presence? One of the greatest things that I believe God has done in a year like 2020 has exposed false idols in our lives. Plans that we hold on to desperately Goals that we strive to achieve. Desires that conform us more to the world daily. And when we, can't, when we can't have those things, we lose our minds. I've experienced that. Are we willing to change our plans, goals, and desires 
in order to conform to what we have learned about Christ on this journey. Don't hear this as an excuse not to better yourself. Hear this as an excuse to trust in God's divine direction. So often we hold desperately onto our own plans and desires that God is dragging us along, where if we look back, we see the skid marks where we dug our heels into the sand. If, if, if you're anything like me at home, things have to be a certain way. And guys, I feel so bad for my wife, Jordan, sometimes. I can really be mean. I bought her some flowers a couple months back, and I don't remember if she put them in a vase or if I did. But anyways, the flowers were this big flower in a small vase, and it was a giant bush on our small kitchen island. And every time I saw it, I moved it to the corner of the house, almost behind the fridge, out of, out of the way, out of sight. And she'd move it back to the center of the island, and I would put it back, and we would just kind of go back and forth with this until she called me out on it one day. And sometimes I think the same, I, sometimes I think I do the same thing with God. I move this beautiful flower that I want in a certain spot. And God says, no, Marco, I want it in the center of your life for full display. Or I make plans my way and God says, hey, actually, I want you glorifying me and not yourself. And vi- finally, if we look at verse nine, this is what it says and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. No amount of law-keeping, self-improvement, discipline, or religious effort can make us right with God. Righteousness comes from God, and we are made righteous through him. He gives us right standing. He exchanged our sin and our shortcomings for his complete righteousness. Paul gave up everything. He gave up his family, friendship, freedom in order to know Christ and his resurrecting power. We too have access to this knowledge and this power, but we have to make a few sacrifices to enjoy it. John Piper once said, God helps us prepare for suffering by teaching us and showing us through suffering we are meant to go deeper in a relationship with Christ. Our primary goal of our lives should be deepening our relationship with a good and great God. I like to tell our students all the time, before love in our lives can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of our lives. Before love in our lives can ever be right, Jesus must be the love of our lives. And I know this morning I'm a little biased about this, but I think that's where it's at. 2020 has been a crazy year. And it feels like it's something new every single month. You might have seen the memes referring to 2020 as a new level of Jumanji every single month. And I also saw this funny TikTok video a couple days ago reenacting a conversation between God and an angel intern. It starts off with God asking the angel if they had finished planning the future events of the 2020s. And the angel replied and said, yes. And took a long pause and said, did you say 2020s as in plural, as a whole decade? And God replied, did you put 10 years worth of history into one year? That's how it's felt. Our lives have been uprooted this year. Lives have been changed. Plans have been altered. Graduations have happened on Zoom. Jobs have been lost. Families have been stretched. Anxiety is at an all-time high. Church members have moved away or just stopped coming and become disconnected altogether. You fill in the blank, whatever it is for your family. It's been a rough year for all of us. And it leads me back to my main idea. What if 2020 wasn't a year about dreaming of what we want, 
but instead a year to realize and reflect on what God has already blessed us with. Just last week, I heard this story about a little girl who was writing a letter to Santa and started listing off things of what went wrong this year. The mom was mentioning it wasn't a letter like you and I would write. It was a letter filled with disappointment and sadness from her 2020 expectations, not with frustration or hate. But then the mom flipped the letter over and it brought her to tears. The little girl thanked Santa for the many things that had happened since the last year's visit to the mall. She thanked Santa for seeing daddy more. She thanked him for more family game nights and thanked him for seeing mommy and daddy laughing together again. She also thanked Santa for telling mommy and daddy to let her use the computer more. But this little girl demonstrated gratitude towards a creation of the creator. We as Christians can demonstrate gratitude to our creator. Will you let the misguided plans that you set out on December 31st, 2019 to discourage you away from following a grace-filled father? Will you let your own expectations prevent you from seeing joy? Remember, Paul started this chapter saying, rejoice in the Lord. So fellow brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord this morning. Rejoice in the Lord, even though 2020 sucked. Rejoice in the Lord, even through sickness. Rejoice in the Lord, even though we don't know what 2021 will look like. Remember, just because the calendar switches to January 1st, it doesn't change anything from our current realities. 2020 proved that for us. Don't believe in that false hope just because the page flips but place your trust in a good and dependable Father who will lead us through all of it. Rejoicing in the Lord isn't conditional on my circumstances, but dependent upon my attitude of worship towards the Lord. Are you rejoicing this morning? Where are you at with that? Have you considered it? If you're not rejoicing in the Lord and you're not really sure what that means, take some time to reflect. What are some things that God has done in your life this year? Are you bitter and, and heartbroken about the plans that didn't come into flourishing? Hold everything loosely, because if God's wind comes through your life, you'd want your sails to carry you exactly where God wants you to be. Let's pray. Father God, you were good this morning, and we praise your name, even though 2020 happened. Father God, you allowed this year to happen for your good and your glory. And Fa Father God, we are still trying to figure that out at times. We're asking for you to resonate in our lives, to lead us in, in, in a direction where you want us to be. Father God, you have a divine direction that only you can describe to us. And Father God, we pray for clarity. We pray for your heart and your life to be the center of our lives this next year. Father God, guide us in a way that is honoring to you, honoring to your name, and honoring to our fellow brothers and sisters. So Father God, I, I, I lay 2020 at your feet. And God, I lay 2021 at your feet as well. Father God, we lay our lives at your feet and we trust in you. And just like Paul says, we rejoice in your name. So Father God, we love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning and we hope to see you guys real soon.